Welcome to today's podcast by Preacher, as he provides sound teaching on the pure and undiluted truth of God's Word, with life application that inspires you to live a holy life pleasing to God. We pray that these teachings will inspire you to live out your faith daily with confidence, be assured of your salvation in Christ, and God's unconditional love for you. Our scripture reading this morning will be taken from the book of Exodus, the fourth chapter, and beginning with the first verse. And you will find these words so recorded. Now God is speaking to Moses, trying to get him to do an impossible job for him. And this is Moses' conversation with God. But Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? He said, A rod. And he said, Cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from it. But the Lord said to Moses, Put out your hand and take it by the tail. So he put out his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. They that may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. And then if you would go into the New Testament, to the book of Luke, the 12th chapter, you would find these words written, beginning with the 22nd verse. And the Lord Jesus Christ is speaking to those that love him. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you shall eat, or about your body, what you shall put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Oh, how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a cupid to his span of life? If then you're not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O men of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat or what you are to drink. Nor be of an anxious mind, for all the nations of the world seek these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things shall be yours as well. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give to you the kingdom. Lord, help us to believe it today. Now we come to this day and this hour that we mark as the beginning of a new year, and we think about the close of the old year. It's not only a close of a year, but the close of a decade. It's not only the beginning of a new year, but it's the beginning of a new decade. And as we think about uh, yesterday, the decade that has now passed, we Think about all the changes that have happened to us in this short span of time. 
And so we stand at this place and we wonder what new changes will come to us in the future. And we are well aware of the fact as we are here together this morning that those changes shall surely come. And so we might well ask ourselves, how are we going to face this new year and this new decade? Will we hesitate? Face it with a great deal of fear and trembling? Will we move into it with uncertainty? Or will we move into it with a great deal of courage and resolve, commitment and dedication, with a purpose within our hearts and our souls, born there of a clear vision of what the possibilities are for each one of us? Will we move to lay hold of our destiny as God has given it to us without any fear and trembling? How will we do it? Well, whether we be a church or an individual, we should be working from a very strong position when we name the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior and as our Lord. But I cannot think of a better time for us to really to think about where we are and what we are and what we intend to do and what we've got to do it with. I met a friend this past week. I was talking to him briefly. And I know this man to, uh, because I was his minister years and years ago. And I knew that between Christmas and New Year's that he was usually uh, loafing around because his companies closed down at that period of time. The whole company closes down. And so I made some kind of remark to him. I said, I guess you're enjoying uh, your leisure time. And he says, no. He says, what leisure time? He says, would you believe? He says, I got booked on the inventory detail of the whole plant. And I've been working from sunup to sundown and into the night. He says, it hasn't been a vacation for me at all. Well, we come to this place. Where we are now, if it's good in business, it ought to be good for us as a church to think in terms of what do we really have? What have we got to work with? What have we got here that will have something to say what the future will be for you and for me? You know, I really can appreciate the encounter that Moses had with God. I can feel in some ways in my life so akin to this man. Because when God called on him to do a job, which was an impossible situation, there is no way that any rational man would look at what God had called Moses to do without almost responding like Moses responded to God, unless he knows what you and I know today, that we have a Savior and we have a Lord. But that doesn't seem to faze us too much. We still act like poor old Moses. And he had a half a dozen excuses for not doing what he had the opportunity to do. Here God's people had been locked in slavery for, for centuries. And Moses uh, had this encounter with God. And God was in a sense telling Moses, Moses, I am willing and ready to the time has arrived for those people who have been in slavery for you to unlock their chain and lead them into the promised land. And I have selected you to do it. And Moses came forth with all those excuses. And I can almost see it and hear it in my mind. God got tired of it and said in effect to Moses, Well, Moses, if your personality is not capable and if you stand there in fear and trembling and all these other multitude of excuses that you give to me, he said to him, In effect, what have you got in your hand? And Moses looked at his hand. He says, I have a shepherd's staff in it. And in effect, you know what God said to Moses? Well, all right then, we will use that shepherd's staff. And wherever you want to read after that, dear ones, you read it. When Moses got in trouble, and there needed to be something done, some vital contact made with God, when Moses got that old staff out and sort of waved it around in the air, things happened. What do you have in your hand today? 
What do we have in our hand as a church now that the God can use? Well, you know, I haven't been with you so long. And I do exactly what you do. You look me over and say, well, he's going to make it. He's not going to make it, you know. So I look you over. I look the church over that the conference has given to me to give leadership to. And I ask the question, where are we? Where do we stand spiritually? What do we have really going for us that we can lay hold of and, and maximize and build on and, and do what God has called us to do and what we have an opportunity to do? And you know, you wonder about the situation. And then I have discovered that we have, we have a love and a devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ here and as this body of Christ that is absolutely wonderful, that is absolutely beautiful. Now, this love and devotion, let me take it in this order. Let me start with devotion. Let me tell you about this. You see, a devotion to Lord Jesus Christ that is revealed in worship. Dear ones, I want to say to you that there's no person, no church can ever be a great church unless it comes to a place where it's a worshiping church. That can't be. You're looking for something that that uh, that is a staff, so to speak, that the church has, that this body of Christ has? Well, look at our devotion. You know, I was uh, just wonderfully amazed and, and was so blessed by it in our communion service that we had Christmas Eve. There was 180 that came apart from a busy life and came here to this altar and worshipped by receiving the sacrament. And if I had been in doubt before, I have no doubt now. Of course we are. We are people who are devoted to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we believe in worshiping. You know, one thing about the Methodist Church, and I have appreciated about the Methodist Church, it's not until I got into Methodist Church, you get some other dividends about the Methodist Church. And that is a concept that they have of the altar. And I read back in the Old Testament about the Solomon when he, uh, when uh, the people had built this marvelous temple of God. The most beautiful thing up at that moment that had ever been created by man and God. And then they dedicated it. And in that dedication, you remember that Solomon prayed a prayer to God. Uh, that in a sense that he would not uh, turn his back on his people, but he'd always remember them. And then God entered his prayer. And God in effect said to, to Solomon, he says, wherever my people go, wherever they go in this world, he says, if they will remember and turn in this direction, he says, I will hear and answer their prayer. Now we're talking about worship again. And don't you know that the promise that God made to that man and to those people of long ago has never been revoked? It's the same today. The meeting place of God and man. So I think you can't meet him somewhere else, but he's always promised to meet us at his dedicated altar. And that dedicated altar long ago, we have the representative of that today right here in this sacred place that those who have come before us have sacrificed in order that we might be able to have this opportunity to worship today. It is within the worship service that the power of the Holy Spirit is released. It is here. It's not to say that it can't be anywhere else. But I have in my travels as a person and as a preacher have observed that the systematic place where God releases his power it's always within a worship service. Here. Where it happens. 
Take us out and we haven't anything. Take us out and you take the heart out of the church. I'm saying to you that it is the worship of God that releases his tremendous power to give us the gold power that we need. Gold power. When I think about gold power, I think about years ago when I was a little bit younger than I am today and even had a motorcycle then. But I'm learning the lesson. I'm off the motorcycles now. But anyway, long ago, I remember of a man I only knew as a motorcycle rider. Now, he had, he had a Harley Davidson and I had one too. His was a little bigger than mine, but I can keep up with him pretty well. He could not run me. I laid on to him every once in a while. Now, I'm not, you young people, you don't listen to this. I was young too. Anyway, I only knew this young man about my age, a little older than, than I was, that the man would pull up with rides and then we'd pull up to the stop sign and I would only visit with him there. We would talk about our motor or whatever for a few minutes and we'd take off into the next red light and then we'd talk there and then we'd ride for us. I remember he went in the service and he had a girlfriend, a beautiful young lady, and they rode quite often together. And so when he went to the service, he left this big, beautiful motor that he had to his girlfriend, and she rode the thing. It was twice as big as she was, but she was quite capable of it, of riding it. And I remember driving, going out to Berry Boulevard towards the Dixie Highway, and I looked back in my rearview mirror, and here I recognized the motor. And I knew that he was going, I said, now I can't let this person pass me. There's no way. And so we made it on around through Berry and I, Boulevard and I stayed ahead and then we hit the, the Dixie Highway. Now this was in years gone by when the traffic was not as heavy. And I made up my mind, there's no way I recognized who was on there. It was his girlfriend. She wasn't going to pass me. Well, I want you to know she did pass me. I got that thing up 75, 80, 85, 90, 95, all mine was And she passed me as if I was standing still. And she had a pigtail about like that, her hair plaited and that I can still see it in my mind's eye now, going down the highway, and it just waved goodbye to me. <laughs> she had power, and she knew how to use it. Now, dear ones, let me say to you, if anybody upon the face of this God-given earth has been left anything in relation to power, what about you and me as we name the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit? Is there anything that within reason that God calls us to do that you and I can't do or you can't do in your own personal life. I want to tell you something. You're in a position to receive the power that you need to do what you need to do. Secondly, it is in the worship service that I receive confirmation of my salvation. Now, if you doubt that, there's where Wesley started. Isn't it strange? Within a worship service, or is it? And I've read what was read to him in a worship service, and it just led me cold and dead, Lord. But anyway, the Lord spoke to him in that service. And it was there that the, he says that his heart was strangely warm, which means that he at that moment was confirmed to him that he was a child of God and that he really had a place in the kingdom of God. Now, dear ones, I have seen it in a worship service more than anywhere else that where confirmation comes that I belong to the Lord Jesus Christ the other night here when we were taking communion, there was a young lady that came in church. I'd never seen her before. And she may be a member. There's no matter. And she knelt here at the altar alone. She came in. She knelt here at the altar. And maybe 10 was here at the altar with her and served them communion. And, and they got up and left and others came. But she lingered a little while here at the altar. As some did. But was this different? As I looked down at her as I served the rest of them, I noticed that she was crying. 
tears glistening on her cheeks and, and running down and touching the rail. And so I served that table and came back. And as I set the trace down, I took her by the hand, as she, by the arm, rather, as she was kneeling right there at the altar. And I said, let me reaffirm to you that God loves you. And she looked up with her eyes full of tears. And she said, yes, I know. Confirmation. Yes, yes, I know. Yes, I know. Yes, I know. You have heard <clears throat> it's been said that there's three noted rabbis of this world that had a dream. And they have dreamed that the Messiah is coming. Well, I've got news for you, dear one. The Messiah is already here. Now, they may be dreaming about the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, but the Messiah has already come. He is here, and is here where he is able to make contact with you and me as we come to a worship service. Now, not only that, but it's here where I keep my, have my keeping power. Keeping power. Keeping power. Oh, I've been a witness to this again and again and again. I, I'm thinking about a, a young lady that came to church on her own and accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as her Savior and Lord. And I, I didn't see how in the world that she would be able to hold out coming from the background that she came from and that home that she came from. How could she be assisted to be the person that Christ had called her to be? And yet today, that's been many years ago, and yet today, she is a faithful, devoted, dedicated Christian. I'm thinking about a young man. He couldn't have been more than seven years of age, six, seven, maybe eight at the very most. Started coming to church, and his parents, so they had separated, and, and they were having all kinds of trouble and difficulties. The mother came every once in a while, but this little fellow came to church every Sunday. Every Sunday he was there, sitting where these two young men are right now. He'd come and sit there faithfully like he just knew what was going on. And I, he did. And one day after one of the services, he came up to me and he says, Preacher, he says, I want to be a Methodist preacher. And then I thought to myself, Oh God, what a tremendous calling and speaking to him. But how will he ever make it? How will he ever make it? Can the church be conscious enough of this young life to surround him with love and compensate for what he doesn't have at home? Can we do it? Will you sustain him? Every Sunday he was in church. Never changed his desire. Today, that young man is in Princeton. This is his last year in seminary. And he's going to come back to this conference to be a Methodist preacher. I am saying to you the best that I know how that it is here that we find the keeping power in the kingdom of God. And then it's here that I find my growing power too. I want to say to you, dear one, when you stop worshiping, you stop growing. That's the way that it is. You see... There's no need for any leader of this church that doesn't come to church for the worship service try to tell me and try to persuade me to walk with their drumbeat. There's no way. If you are here and listen to what God has to say, it's a different story then. But it is only here that we receive what we need in order to grow in the likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Either we grow or we die. I have a friend. Their second born 
a beautiful little girl, and they were told at birth that this little one will be locked in mentally at about the age of five. And the doctor was right. About the age of five. Now the years have gone by. But we said tragedy. And it was a tragedy. And it is a tragedy. But how many of us are locked in spiritually at about that level? Or how many of us are really committed and dedicated to the God to the extent where we come to the place where we continue to grow in the Lord Jesus Christ? I would like, I would like to be able, if I'm privileged to know you and you to know me five years from now, ten years from now, I would feel it a great compliment if you could say, well, I can see that you have grown in the love and in the wisdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. Devoted in worship. Devoted in love. Well, we have a worship service. And we worship. Love for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why you're here this morning. Unless your wife overpowered you. <laughs> That's why you're here this morning. Of course you're here because we love the Lord. Down deep within the citadel of your heart and your soul. We may disagree on many other things, but... On the approach that we're going to take, but on this we don't. You are here. There's a love of the Lord Jesus Christ deep within your soul, and you have to honor it somehow, some way, the best that you can. And so we who love the Lord come, come together, in order that we might be able to express ourselves in love, and that we might be able to live with confidence. Live with confidence. Lord, I, the other night, they did, he didn't do too well the other night. Cal Macy, he let us down. But the other night when he was playing Auburn, those of you who saw this, coming down to the last four minutes, and then this magnificent young man that is a quite a basketball player, and the last four seconds, took that shot as if no one was around him, and it went through the hook without even touching the middle. Live with confidence. It is here that I receive the confidence that I need to be the person that I know that God would have me to be. I'm thinking of a young lady that's pretty close to me. And the last year of her, her college, about in March, she came home. She says, well, I have finally made up my mind what I'm going to do. I said, well, I'll be glad to hear. She says, well, I, I'm going to be a lawyer. She says, I'm going to go to law school this fall. I said, I'm waiting. I said, you know you can't get into law school that soon. I said, sometimes it takes six months, eight months, a year, or a year and a half, or two years to get in. She says, well, I'm going to apply. And so she did. And they accepted her. And she went to school in the fall. The last year of law school, she says, well, I've decided that I don't want to be a lawyer and practice law before the bar. She says, I think I want to be an FBI agent. I said, well, now you know that that can't be. I said, you can't get into the FBI that quickly. I said, that's an impossibility. I said, you remember a young man in the church? And, and I remember, and she knew this young man real well over at Auburn, that he was, had a Ph.D. in chemistry. I said, you remember he tried to get in the FBI, and he had to wait a year and a half before they called him. She said, I'm going to apply anyway. She applied, and they accepted her within five weeks, I think it was. And so she says, well, she said, been a change in my life after about a year. She says, I don't want to be in the FBI anymore. I'm going to resign. She said, the thing I want to do, I want to practice law for the government, and I want to be a part of the Security and Exchange Commission. Well, I knew vaguely a little bit about it, but I went and looked it up. I said, honey, I said, don't you know? I said, you can't do that. I said, you can't do that. I said, people apply for that, and they wait years and never call. 
she walked in off the streets and six weeks after she walked in, she went to work for the security exchange. And then she said to me, listen to this, here's where it comes out. She says, Father, don't you know that I am the apple of the Lord's eye? I want to tell you, dear one, that she has an acclaim upon God that you can't make, or I can't make. She has no counter upon the love of God. She has not countered the market. She does not have a special place that you cannot have in your own right. Or we can't have the church in our own right. We love the Lord. When will we come to the place where we will do what Jesus is telling us to do? To trust him and to move forward. And all of these things. Fear not, little fox. For it is your father's good pleasure to give to you the kingdom. Live excitingly, dynamically, courageously. Moses Scripture brings out that he was afraid. He said that he was concerned about the people not believing what he would tell them. Well, I don't think that was his real fear, to tell you the truth. I think he was sort of hidden on God. I think he knew old Pharaoh. And I think he knew that old Pharaoh was going to give him a bad time. And he was going to need some help. And it is here. Think of it. Being delivered. Those people who were enslaved. Here the great Egyptian army was snipping at his heels. And there, only a few miles away, was the Red Sea, which was an impossibility to cross. But he was wise enough to head in that direction and leave the impossibility to God. It gives a cold chill to me when I think that the Red Sea did not roll up until the old priest had his foot out over the water. I say, Lord, has cutting it off a close. But that's the way God is. He will not give you power today to live tomorrow. But he has told us that if we will look at what we've got, and use it. And I want to tell you a devotion that is expressed in worship and a love for the Lord Jesus Christ that is expressed in living makes that old staff of Moses look like a toothpick, dear ones. Oh, what we've got. What you and I have to do. What God has called us to do. There's one other little story that you'll find in the New Testament, a very interesting one. Here old Paul was going out across the country just seizing the Christians, beating them, killing them, putting them in the prison, everything else. And the Lord met him on the highway and struck him blind. And then the Lord talked to one of his people, Ananias. Ananias was a typical Methodist. And old Ananias, the Lord appeared to him, said, Ananias, he said, I want you to go over and talk to Paul, and he lives on Straight Street. Don't break the Bible. I know the Lord is specific enough to tell us exactly where he wants first to go. He says, Straight Street, street name Straight. You know, go over there and, and talk to Paul. And old Ananias said, well, now look at here, Lord. He said, don't you know that this is a man that's been going out through the countryside and, and carrying off the Christians and beating them and killing them and, and doing all these terrible things, and you tell me you want me to go over and talk to him? And I'm not going. And Lord said, Ananias, I've already struck the bar. And then I said, well, Lord, why don't you tell me? <laughs> why don't you tell me? Dear ones, I'm trying to say to you that look, look at the picture, whether I take it from the Old Testament with, with Moses, I whether I pick it up in the New Testament, the Lord Jesus Christ, it all speaks in one direction. Do you see the glorious thing that God has done when he calls us to do a work, when he calls you to be a disciple, when he calls you to do whatever you need to do that is peculiar to you and to your calling and to your position in life, whatever it is, whether it be as a husband, wife, children, young people, whatever it is that you have a responsibility for in life, when he calls you to do something, do you see that he has already provided? The means for you to accomplish it. The staff. Or whatever it is. Is there already.
is all we have to do is feed him and trust him and move in his direction as he would have us to do and the mountain will come crumbling down and the promised land will be taken whether it be in the name of the church whether it be you as an individual in the name of your Lord and the need of your family one and the same principle is the same it's the same oh our father oh our father help us to believe and to trust as these men of old did for we ask it in the name of Christ amen Thanks for listening. Hope you were blessed. We pray the Holy Spirit will make you a doer of His words, finishing the work He started and making you more like Christ for the transformation of this world and preparation for heaven.